This gospel is just so chock full of stuff, this is gonna take a while. Um, it really, for me, uh, presents so clearly the attitude that Jesus and the Father have for us, how he sees us. And so as we set it up, remember that, so here's Jesus talking to tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors were sinners too, right? They were, they were, the reason they're pointed out as being differentiated from the other sinners is because people hated them even more than just the other sinners. And we still do today. Um, so Jesus is spending all of his time, much of his time, giving all this attention to the bad people, the sinners, the people who don't deserve to have this prophet spending all this time with them. So the Pharisees and chief priests think. Pharisees and scribes. So the, sort of the, the religious leaders of the time, the ones who were you know, the good Jews, they were doing everything they were supposed to do. They were following all the rules. And this Jesus is off with all the sinners. He should be with us. We're the good ones. What is he doing with them? And not only do they feel a sense of injustice, but they also believe that, you know, there's something wrong with him, that he would sully himself with that kind of attention. And so Jesus tells this really amazing parable about really the two sons. You know, we hear about, of course, we call it the prodigal son, but it's really, it's really the parable of the two sons. The, the younger son goes to his father and says, um, you know, I want my inheritance. Well, you don't get your inheritance until your father dies. So he's basically telling his father, I want you to be dead so that I can have what's mine. Now his father actually gives him, although no obligation to do so, gives him his share. And off he goes to a foreign land and, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Um, you know, basically spent it all on, on you know, just uh, uh, on a crazy lifestyle for a long period of time. And then he finds himself without any funds. He founds himself, um, ending up kind of living with pigs and feeding the pigs. And he was so destitute at that point that he, he wished he could eat the food the pigs were eating. That's how little he had. He was in bad shape, rolling around in the mud. And then the moment of conversion, turning around, moment of conversion where he says, basically, what am I doing? What am I doing? He looks at his life and says, I don't have to do this. Why have I, how have I allowed myself to get to this point? Why have I allowed myself? I could go back to my father and even if I was a servant, it would be better than this. That's the moment, right? That's the, that's the low point of his life where he turns around and he heads back to the father. And at that point, it's already done. Meaning the conversion is already gonna happen. It's already happened. He's already moving back to the Father. And then we get this beautiful, beautiful, it's really, it makes me kind of emotional thinking about it. We have this beautiful image of the Father looking off into the distance 
of where his son went. How many days and nights must he have looked off into the distance wondering, where is my son? Will I see him again? And then one day he sees his son a long ways off. And he doesn't wait for his son to come back and grovel and all the rest. He runs to his son. He seeks him out. And his son begins to apologize. And, and the father's like, never mind. Party time. Get, get the robes. Get the fatted calf. Get the, we're going to party. You're back. Because the father knew he was back. He was literally back. And he knew his son. So he, he could read the the facial expressions, he could read that he was sorry, he knew that. But the father was overjoyed at his return. And then the other son finds out about the party and about the younger son, and of course he's, he's rightfully upset, you know, because of, of, what, of what his brother did and how his brother treated his father. It makes sense to be upset. So just like the Pharisees and the scribes looking at Jesus spending time with these sinners, the older son is upset that the father is so lavish with his love on somebody who had done so much wrong. And the father comes out and basically says, what are you upset about? You're just focused on yourself. Don't you see what's happened in your brother? This is the greatest gift you and I could have received. Your brother is back. He's back with us. Everything you have is mine. Don't be jealous of him. Rejoice in his conversion. You know, when we're little, uh, when we're little people, um, one of the first things we're taught is say you're sorry. Say you're sorry to your sister. Say you're sorry. Say you're sorry or there's going to be a consequence. Say you're sorry. And sometimes when you're little, when you're, when you're learning this stuff, it can be difficult because you don't want to say you're sorry. But your parents who caught you doing what you ought not to have done are teaching you, you know, you need, to, you need to be sorry. You need to say you're sorry. And it can be difficult even as we grow older to come forward with, you know, with a parent or with a friend or somebody else and actually say we're sorry because we're afraid. We're embarrassed. We feel guilty. We might feel shame. We might feel a lot of things. And it can be really difficult to come back to a relationship that has been broken, you know, has been wounded. Very often we hide from the other person. It's not that we don't feel bad, it's just that it's, we're, we're fearful. And in human relationships, sometimes we're fearful of saying we're sorry because of what the other person might say to us. They might be really negative or even vindictive or, or something. And what we hear in the gospel today is how our God is with us when we turn back to him that we need not be afraid of saying we're sorry. We need not be afraid of turning back, that as soon as we turn back, he comes running, and we come running to him. And the reconciliation is, as it were, immediate. 
as we continue through Lent then, halfway through, it is a season of penance, but it's, the penance is meant for reconciliation, ultimately. The, the goal of Lent is not for us, to, we joke about, I joke about it, but you know, Lent is not really about trying to make ourselves feel bad. We already feel awful. That's one of the things about being you know, human is we, we tend to feel awful. We tend to feel too awful. We tend to be far too harsh on ourselves and on each other than God is. Every time that God tells us who he is, he's, he's a God who loves us, desperately loves us, and just wants us back. Like even, even the son who comes back, he starts to apologize, and the father's like, forget it, just get back. Just get back. It's a Beatles song. Get back to where you once belonged. It actually fits, wow. So, you know, whether that's, whether your relationship right now is very distant from God, it could be. Maybe your relationship is closer. Maybe you're a little bit like the Pharisees and you're, you're a little jealous of so much attention and love being lavished on sinners. Maybe that's, that's something to, to consider. The goal of the Father is to get us back. And he'll take the smallest initiative on our part. He, he will forgive us at the smallest movement toward him. And we need not fear. We need not be afraid, ever. God is not out to get us. He's out to get us back to him.